This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of 100 Words or Less, the podcast. I'm your host, Ray Harkins, and Happy New Year! Happy 2016! Hopefully, you're started off very good. Mine is a little stuffy because I'm sick, so I apologize for the nasally nature of my voice, but um, that happens, you know? Everybody gets sick this time of the year. The temperatures change, it gets cold, and it just, it just happens that way. So, But I, I hope that you are going to get 2016 it's your year you're gonna kill it whatever so many people like to use all those cliches at the beginning of the year to transform their life and do all these amazing things to me it's all bullshit you you should just be constantly evolving constantly pushing yourself um all year like you don't need a flipping of the calendar to do that i understand it's very symbolic and it's easier for most people to wrap their heads around when they're doing that But I just, oh man, I just can't stand that because I mean, you see it, I see it in the gym that I go to where it's like all of a sudden first week of January, it's like, dude, this is way more crowded. Third week of January, it's a ghost town. And it's, I mean, it's hard. It's hard to care. It's hard to not be lazy. But um, yeah, so anyways, I always push against those conventions. But if you use that as a motivating factor, awesome. Go for it. Do it to it. Anyways, you're not here to hear my thoughts of the new year. Well, maybe some of you are, but what many of you are here to he- listen to is a conversation with people in and around independent music, and uh, this one is so delightful. It is a longtime friend, Nick Grimaldi. Most people know him by Biggie, as his nickname uh, is is given to him. And you know, it's funny, because in the entire conversation, I never asked him why he has that nickname. <laughs> and I've known him as such for, gosh, you know, close to 20 years. And, um, yeah, I, I don't know the story, but I'm sure after he listens to this, he will email me and be like, oh, this is why. So anyways, maybe in the postscript, maybe in next week's episode, I'll be like, oh, hey, this is why Biggie is named Biggie. So anyways, he manages basically most of your favorite bands that are active right now from every time I die to circus survive, like good fight management is the name of his company. And, uh, he does great, great work. And typically I don't like to interview too many people behind the scenes because I know a lot of people kind of maybe feel disconnected from that because maybe they're not interested in working in the music industry or whatever. But Biggie is a perfect guest because, uh, you know, he himself didn't really know where he was going to end up for the future and everything in regards to what people are supposed to do from a, you know, societal convention standpoint. I mean, he had no idea. So his, his life story is pretty cool and I wanted to share it with you. So he invited me over to his house We sat down, hung out, and uh, this is what transpired. So here's our conversation, and I will talk to you uh, after the jump. Are we on? Are we doing this? We're we're recording, but this this may or may not be on there. (laughs) Uh, We redid the whole house in Santa Ana. Oh, okay. Redid everything. Right. And then... For the purpose of selling it, or you are no like just, this is it. We're buying a house, and this is where yeah, we're gonna yeah. live. I was just amazed I could buy a house in Orange County, and I'm like, this is it. Like, <laughs> right. put roots in. My my mom lived in Fountain Valley and has since I was born, and still does. And I'm like, you buy a house, and that's where you stay. So I'm like, I bought the house. I redid everything, insane front yard, backyard, everything, every mm-hmm. surface, and then you know, business picked up, and we're like, dude, we could like maybe go live in Costa Mesa on the east side of Costa Mesa or whatever, right? And, Found this place, and or while we were shopping, we just decided like the renovation was a nightmare. Obviously, as everyone says, and I'm like, if we 
get a new house because I'm fine. I can live in the Santa Ana house till I'm dead. I'm right. fine. Yeah. If we get a new house, it has to be like put the couch there, put the TV there, done. You know, I'm not doing anything. So right. This one, it's like a plug and play. Literally. And this one was literally like, put the couch there. We had to get a bigger couch, but put the couch there. Right. Mount the TV, throw my clothes in the closet, and I was like, see you later. Right. <laughs> Don't do anything. Hey, Save take some pictures. We're good. Yes. That's, yeah. Yes. All right. Well, that, yeah, that's definitely, that's what it was like when we, because I, I live in Tustin, like right by the, like, the district. And it was, that was one of those things. We were looking at places in like Huntington Beach and Fountain Valley. And it was like, for our price range, I was like, dude, I could, I'm going to buy like a 40 year old home where every weekend I have to fix shit. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to, I don't want that don't at shit. all. I want to buy a new place. And so we bought a new place and that's what it was like. Oh yeah, that's great. So I don't like every weekend I'm not like, all right, let's get the shutters. What? Fuck that. I know, dude. It's, it's insane. It's such a weird time too. Cause all my friends are buying, looking and, yeah. and dealing and it just look, thinking back to that mindset. It's like, uh, you know, like, do I buy the newer house there or the older house where I want to live? Oh, like I had this weird, still have this thing where it's like, I can only live in these like four cities, right, right. you know, like I Santa Ana wasn't one of them. You know, that it was right. like a last ditch effort. It was like, well, Costa Mesa is too expensive. Huntington Beach is too expensive. Fountain Valley is weird. I've lived there for 30, 30 years at that point almost. <laughs> right. you know? gotta, I got I to gotta spread my wings a little spread bit. spread my wings and get like down to Bristol. <laughs> and uh, uh, that's how we ended up in Santa Ana. Okay. Then, uh, I, I, you know, my friends now are like, well, we can have a shanty in Costa Mesa or like this right. big nice house in Anaheim or this big nice house in Orange. Yeah, you know? yeah, so, yeah. But I, yeah, I was like, I have this terrible thing where it's like, I'll live in like four cities. Yeah. I don't know why. <laughs> Hopefully it goes away. Well, <laughs> hopefully it goes away. Where you get, well, I mean, you, it, I think it has to do with obviously a level of comfort where you're just yeah. like, oh, this is like, not only is this what I know, but then like, I mean, obviously with people like you and I who are comfortable traveling, mm-hmm. it's like we can see other stuff and experience other things, but then we're like, oh yeah, I'm going to go back because yeah, why does anybody... the best. Right. Why would you live anywhere besides Southern California? Yeah. it's. Pro- I mean, probably more... More than necessary pride in Orange County. <laughs> yeah. You know, like no, I very, mean. very much love Orange County. And uh, looking back now, it's like, honestly, why? Besides, like, the weather and, like, obviously my friends, but it's like, yeah, yeah it's yeah. great, but it's like the amount of, like, oh, I could never, like, never leave. Mm-hmm. It's, pretty, it's a little unjust. Right. I feel yeah, like yeah, I'm a little you're... too into Orange County for kind of no reason. Now that I'm 35, I'm looking back and, like, you know, we're not sitting around with Throwdown and Ethan Visions right. t- talking not about the Orange softcore County. house. Right, right. <laughs> now we're not softcore, <laughs> and I can probably live wherever, but it's like, no, I live in Orange County. Yeah, that's, of course. That's what that's what I that's what I'm doing. It's funny because you're one of those <clears throat> you're one of those people where it's just like, and I presume that you probably couldn't pinpoint. That. I have no fucking clue where I met you. Like, oh, God, we just no. we just existed in obviously the same universe. parallel universe. Yeah, just through music, obviously through hardcore shows. Right. I don't remember anything before Taken. Right. You know? No, 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 no. It was yeah. I, I mean, I, I played in ter- like a terrible band before that, but nothing that like we never. Our worlds never intersected. Like we never played shows besides you know playing public storage when it was public storage. Right, but that Back was when. you know that was that was nothing. Yeah, I couldn't. No way. I could, <laughs> that's totally. how like most of my friends are to be honest. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Like <laughs> that era of whatever it was, probably late nineties, early two mm-hmm. thousands. It was yeah. just a swirl of a weird case of like tunnel vision of like this is my journey. I wasn't in a band, you know. So it's like this right. is like I'm just going to shows to mosh, jump off stages. just basically be obnoxious looking back you know <laughs> like yeah. i was obnoxious. Hey, you, you you were actually you were literally taking the words right out of my mouth so <laughs> i'll i'll I, I, since you did that for me i will I'll, I'll trace it back so it was just like the the idea of like once i started to become 
you know, take it started to play more shows with obviously all the Orange County bands and we started to become more part of the scene. It was one of those things where it's like, you were always this person where I was just like, God, like Biggie's that guy, like you were always nice to me and I never had any sort of like misgivings towards you. But I was just like, man, he dances so fucking hard and he dives on people's heads. It's like, he's kind of a dick. But like, but actually, but he's I think always it's, smiling and kind of like says hi to me. So he's not. I guess he's not a dick. But fuck him because my neck hurts. Totally. <laughs> it was like this. It was just this weird push and pull where it wasn't like I, I had no strong opinions. Like I said, one way or the other. But it was one of those things where it was like, and it just got me reflecting on like when people's reputations precede them, especially within obviously the context of the scene, where it's just like I'm sure there are people who can like look back at that time and are just like. Oh yeah, Biggie's the worst dude of all time. Totally, and I've met so like, <laughs> sadly met so many people that are like, okay, I gotta be honest, I used to fucking hate you, right? And I'm like, dude, what? Like, I I wasn't an, I mean, I guess I was I was an asshole, not intending to be. I was you just were, in my own world, right? Like, you no, know, I think you, you you said it bad, like obnoxious, where it was like, but I mean, yeah. you do you what like seventeen, oh, like seventeen to like twenty something, just hyper as hell, right? All my friends were. It were the equivalent to Metallica to me. You know, like, I would count down the days for a throwdown show and the days for these... Like, I would go... I would be so pent up yeah. and just be... I would lose my mind at Showcase Theater. The whole... I couldn't even physically do it. Like, I couldn't even jog as long as I danced back then, you know? Like, <laughs> right. I don't even know how I did it. Right. But, God, I loved it, man. And, like, maybe it's because I was never in a band and that was, like, my stage or just the fact that I... I don't know. Yeah. I loved it, man. And And looking back, it's like... Why did I think it was okay to walk on heads or to just right hit someone extremely hard? Like it wasn't intentionally, but yeah. understanding like laws of you know you're right. It's gonna happen when the way I'm moving my body around with 600 people in this room the size of this office. You know, right, right. <laughs> no, is that it, it was like I said. It just really got me reflecting on like the 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 notion of that because it's like because we're obviously sort of on the ground floor of that sort of scene becoming more nationally known, there was all of these these personalities, I mean, you included, where it was just like, oh, yeah, it's like, yeah, Biggie's that guy that, like, you know, like, he's not in the band, but, like, he'll travel with the band, and, like, he'll definitely represent the scene. Like, he'll, he'll represent the pit, whatever you want. the worst to... words that we used to say. Like... Totally, totally. <laughs> and I just, I find it so... Um, I just find it so interesting because it is it is this thing where it's like because we're so young and dumb and then like having to like live with those sort of uh, reputations at such a an age where you know you shouldn't have a reputation besides yeah. like in your high school maybe you right know? but then it's like on a more nationwide level it's just so weird yeah it is like I, I just that I would travel and I would be you know a band, uh, these bands that in my head were huge we, we would go play places and nobody would move and I'd be like well this is unacceptable like I must I must activate the show of course i must <laughs> like, set this off right yeah and like i literally took that like i like this is my job but i took it like norma jean is not gonna have a bad show i don't care if these kids don't know them yet you uh-huh. know what i mean when they're opening for bleeding through 100 years ago or whatever right you know and i would just be like i don't know why i took that on as like my duty but i would every single day all day dance at shows on tour i'd meet people and they were just like i used to hate you all the time you yeah know, go places where they were like much like actual you know everyone talks about oh when the scene was dangerous like yeah for me it was never dangerous <laughs> right, right at all but i understand people there it was like when i talked to like dudes from syracuse and all that yeah, and, like philly meeting, yeah, yeah yeah like meeting these you know yeah meeting these guys that i'm still friends with now and just like they could have killed me like acting how i was acting you know <laughs> what if joe hardcore is like all right fuck this guy or guav like take up right, one of let's his stop, 400 right. knives and he's like i right, fuck this guy you know 
Luckily, we're all friends now. You know? <laughs> no, totally. It is. It is funny because I, I think it is a very uh, obviously it was a very safe scene from where we were. Co- I mean, because yeah. it's just suburban, you know. Totally. And then it's like the big cities. I definitely distinctly remember of just like yeah. Once your worldview started to expand, where you're just like, oh, like yeah. There's some tough tough people out there. Yeah, like, I remember. I would just mosh, 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 and then I got to like a Syracuse matinee. Uh-huh. You guys played one, right? Like the New Year's Day shows. You guys ever do those? Oh no, no, we never. I'm familiar with them, but They're we never insane. played one. Insane. And I just remember being like, I am not dancing. Like this is insane. This right. is not. This is. We're not in Orange County anymore. You know, totally. We're not in Arizona. We're not in Texas. <laughs> right. We're in Syracuse with people with masks and right. You know, we're not in. We're not in Salinas. Like, no, we are not in Salinas. <laughs> Jim Dandies is not. You know, yeah, <laughs> no, it's it, yeah, it's definitely true. When you 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 come up to that stark realization, like not only am I far from home logistically, but it's like this is a whole different culture here. Yeah, I, I can't I can't do what I my obnoxious self normally yeah. does. I don't have like the whole world behind me just in case <laughs> right. at all. It's like oh, go ahead, I'll be on the sideline. Yeah, yeah, I'll just I'll watch you guys. Maybe I'll do a stage <laughs> dive. That's uh, that's about it. Yeah. Um, but you like you mentioned before, so you were born and raised in Orange County. Yeah, like tried and true tried Fountain and Valley. True. I lived in Fountain Valley until I was twenty five. Lived at home until I was 25 because I was touring so much. My mm-hmm. mom's just like, if you stay in college, you can live here for free. So I'm like, I'm never leaving. You right. know? Until I was 25 and had like a mental breakdown of like, I'm 25 and I live at home. I was in Europe when I had it. And I'm like texting my friend or probably emailing at that point, I guess. Sure. In 05, I'm like, we got to move out. You're 24, I'm 25. Let's get out of here. And we got a place together in Costa Mesa. But even that was two miles away from my mom. Then I moved to Santa Ana which was two miles away from that. Then sure. I moved back to Eastside Costa Mesa. So this four square mile bubble for 35 years. <laughs> right. And hopefully not leaving. Yeah, exactly. And you're completely comfortable with that. Yeah. Um, and so what was your, what was your family structure like when you were growing up? Like mom and dad, brothers and sisters, one brother, four years older. Okay. Um, single mom. Dad was kind of standard asshole. Okay. Alcoholic druggy guy that was like, you know, did all they, that jazz. they get divorced at a, like you were pretty yeah, young? Yeah, okay. I don't remember them being married. <clears throat> I remember when they were still like, maybe they were married, but they were not together. Okay. You know, I feel like they got, the, I don't, I'm terrible with timelines, which is probably going to become a, uh, yeah, a recurring this. theme here. Yeah. 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 Um, I don't remember them ever together, but yeah, we, I haven't, I didn't, I stopped talking to my dad when I was like probably younger than 10. Oh, okay. And then, uh, we reconnected once since then, but, He's not in my life. Yeah, there's no influence no, whatsoever. Not at all. Like total, uh, totally tight with my mom. Like extremely tight to this day, and pretty tight with my brother. We're very different people, but when we get together, it's great. But mm-hmm. total mama's boy. Total call her every day. That all that jazz. Yep. Uh, but no dad. Right. I have a stepdad now. Who's okay. the shit? But he didn't come into the into the picture until like you know when I was like I don't know. 20-ish or oh, something. okay. Got maybe, it. Maybe got a little, even a little older. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the core years was definitely single mom, single income, sure. all that jazz. Was she, what was she doing for work? She was a teacher. This is actually, you know, a pretty, not a lot of people know this, but when my parents were together, they were like really well off. Okay. I don't remember this, but right. we had a house in Huntington Harbor, the house my mom currently has in Fountain Valley, a house in Big Bear. Oh, geez, yeah. Mom drove a Cadillac. Dad drove a Corvette. Like, sure. The full, like, we were living in the 80s, right? Like, totally. I don't remember this, but... Yeah. Um, dad and mom, or dad made mom stop being a teacher. She was a teacher. She said, you're not going to, you don't need to work. Raise our kids. Oh, right, sure. Be the okay. homemaker, right. Totally. Be a homemaker. Well, she's like, oh, I love being a teacher, but yeah, we're doing so great. I'll be a homemaker. Shit goes south with my parents. He, in a very long story, 
ends up taking everything except that house, which he put in my brother and my name as in a trust. Okay. Because in his mind, like, I'm going to fuck the wife. Like, sure. You know, she won't have any ownership. She's not going to have shit ever. You know, I'm gonna, it, she, he hit all his income. She didn't have to pay child support, all this crazy stuff. And the only thing we had was that house to eventually, and I don't understand why he's probably at some point thinking I was just going to give it back to him. Mm-hmm. But us being on the trust allowed my mom to live in the house essentially free because we basically owned it. You right. Know? It's the only reason we actually lived. Stayed you know? there. Yeah, yeah. That you actually were able to like, stay in Orange County. Totally. Sure. Totally. And so I, I kind of bounced away. But he, she was a teacher but then started working in uh, like banking, like mortgage banking. Oh, okay. Climbed the ladder there but went, went from a very modest salary as a teacher to starting at the bottom and then working her way up to being a vice president until she retired. Um, but... Yeah, the the early years it was. I didn't know it at that time, but we were spread thin. Sure, know? like, yeah, your mom was doing whatever she could. Totally, too. just total. You know, out of out of the storybook, single mom raising two kids. Yeah, I all I did was skateboard. You know, so I didn't need that much attention. But looking back, when I would like ask for a few bucks for arcade games, and it's like, oh, not today. You know, and I'd just be like, oh, all right. right. It wasn't like it wasn't out of like, no, no, no. Like you're gonna learn these values. It's like, no, we don't have. Yeah, I, I literally don't have five dollars to give you. Know? Yeah, 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 and we were fine. It's not like I'm, we're poverty stricken, but it was definitely tight. And considering how we were supposed to be with all these houses, and my dad was, uh, he was like an appraiser, so he made like really good money. So, uh-huh. amongst other things, I don't know. He's a pretty sketchy, dude. So well, I mean, it's, well, obviously, it sounds. I mean, just you setting up the story of the fact that he's obviously it was a very predetermined thing for him to hide all of, like basically, so your mom wouldn't have anything. Oh yeah, super like Italian, like. Over the top, mafia wannabe mafia. Yeah, just a fake asshole. You know, sure, like, he's a pile. Yeah, but, you know, abusive to her, abusive more to my brother than me. Doing drugs, all that crap. Right, D- drinking way too much, and uh, and then finally when, she finally she was fed up. Where it yeah, was just... finally she's just like, I'm fucking out of here, mm-hmm. and went through a crazy. All this is fuzzy, but it, it was gnarly at that point in my life. Went through a crazy custody battle where. Like out of a movie, there is like this rich guy who has the money and time and assets to go after Fight this it, sure. woman who has nothing. And we're so young, you know, probably like 12 and 8 or like 11 and 7 or something. My brother and I, no matter what we say to the judge, like, I don't like my dad. I want to stay with my mom. It doesn't mean anything at right. that point. Um, and yeah, it, it got, it got. Yeah, that's pr- brutal. Yeah, it got pretty rough for a while. And uh, I mean, especially because it's like, you know, when you. I mean, when you're a child, you don't obviously understand all the complex nuances that go behind all of that. And so it's like, you're just like, but I just want to do this. Yeah. Like, I want to be with my mom. And then you're like, well, well do you really mean that? I don't, I'm seven. Like, yeah, I was so young. And I just remember, I remember, I don't know, I don't know why, certain things stick in your head. But I remember yeah. once when I was young, asking my brother, like, who do you like more, mom or dad? Uh-huh. And he was old enough to be like, you can't ask that. Like, we love them both the same. And I remember being like, okay. And I'm like. But I love mom way more. Like, am I bad? Is that wrong? Like, right. Dad's kind of a dick. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Like, mom rules. Like, <laughs> we were split like one week at a time. One week mom, one week dad. One week oh, mom. Oh, okay. Week dad. Got it. And <clears throat> so, you, just, yeah, you were. It wasn't obviously like cut off to the point of where no. you didn't see him. But it's like you still were able to develop an opinion. On yeah, him. And I just remember dreading the like oh, dad week. You know, dude, like, that's the God, worst. Sucks. And it was. It was like on one hand, it was we had the bigger TV and we had all these toys and all that at dad's house. Sure, but I hated being there. Right. And opposite, all we had was like, you know, my shitty chipped up skateboard, but right. like rad mom. Totally. So like we just looked forward to that. And we finally, you know, long, long story short, we got it sorted. And it, 
it ended when I was like 17 officially when I was like old enough to be like, I'm going to fuck you up. You know, like I can't believe that it dragged on for that long. It dragged on forever. And I was finally, I remember I was in the garage phone leaving to go skateboarding and he was calling and harassing. And I was like, I'm old enough now to say this. Like I like stepped up to probably would have smashed me still. But in my head, I was like, I'm going to kill this guy. Mm -hmm. And he kind of left us alone for a long time. And then, uh, Fast forward a lot of years when I was like 27, uh-huh. I, did, I did that thing called the Landmark Forum. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you familiar yeah. with that? Yeah, yeah. Anyone who doesn't know can look it up. It's pretty, it's pretty weird. But right. um, <laughs> I, was, I was definitely uh, towards my tenure, my end of working at Century Media, that was when my boss, Robert, was very, very into that. And he was, oh, he actually, was? He was getting a lot of people that worked there to go to there. It's cool. It's funny. If you Google it, if you put in like the Landmark Forum and the, the guesses, it'll say Landmark Forum. Second one, the Landmark Forum is a cult. Right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so just like anything else, I mean, it's a total, total tangent, but yeah. the Landmark Forum is amazing and I highly recommend it. Mm-hmm. You just got to have your filter on and be like, okay, I'm taking that info, that info, that's fucking weird. I'm going to leave that there. <laughs> right. That info is great. And I'm not going to go and tell all my family to come if I, you know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I just pulled out certain things. Use it as a tool rather totally. than like. Just like anything else in life. You sure, know? exactly. And uh, one of the things that got out of that like four day, all day seminar was like to just let go of things that you're holding on to. And my whole life, like if you ask anyone that's known me, I've never been like, fuck my dad, you know, like at all. I didn't care. Mm-hmm. But after you go through this process, you realize that like you are holding on to something. And even even if like, you know, think it's affecting you every day, you just need to let it go, you know. Right. And so I, long story short, I got his contact, reached out to him. We actually met, met up. Okay. And... Like I said, long story short, he's still just an asshole. Totally. <laughs> you were just like, this Like he this met my wife. It. Yeah, like this is my wife. And like if I was very upfront, I'm like, if we want to have a relationship, it has to start like today. Because if we go backwards, I'm going to freak out. You used to hit my mom. You used to hit my brother. You used to hit me. You, used to, you chose totally. drugs and alcohol over us. Like we can't go back there. Right. But if you want to start today and say like, you know, tell me about your new wife and, you know, not new, 15-year marriage and kid and you can learn about my wife at the time and blah, blah. So we met once and, and it worked. We met another time and then he got weird about the house that going back to like us being in the trust of the house and the mm-hmm. fact that we like let my mom in on the trust and all this all this stuff. And I'm just like, you're just still a psycho. I don't need you. I, don't, I barely have time to even think about you now. Right. I just don't need you. I'm just going back with like my amazing family, amazing life. But I like turned the page on it, you know, totally. thanks to Landmark and just being like, I even tried. I, when, I, when I told my family, like I told my brother, I'm like, I'm going to reach out to my dad. He's like, are you fucking crazy? Right, right. You this, know? Is, this is a bad You're idea. an idiot. Right. And I had him do Landmark and he's like, yeah, that was awesome. I mean, I'm not reaching out to dad. Fuck him. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but like Landmark is sick. I'm like, okay. Well, right. But yeah. That chapter is proverbially closed. Yeah, he There's... had like, I guess, you know, quote, worse than me. He was older and yeah. A, A, remembers it more and B, I think like was, I think it was hit more than me. Like it's not really talked about, but I think it was like, he but yeah got the he, worst he right he was he was receiving more of yeah. the shit because he was essentially alive yeah for long, like he exactly. was on the scene first yeah and I was just young and little and yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so it's interesting the uh, do you think any of obviously the the experiences that you had with your father like influenced the idea of like you know straight edge and like that percent okay hundred percent it was like straight edge to me was like. I was I was straight edge, and then I heard there was a name for it. Basically, yeah, yeah, you know yeah, what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Kind of like when when I read the secret that book, the secret. Yep, it's like the whole like the manifestation shit. of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like oh, this is just a title of what I already do. Like I'm already pos- You know what I mean? I'm already positive and thinking like the universe is around me. I want to have like good mm-hmm. energy. But yeah, straight edge was like 
you know, drink and don't smoke. Yeah, I, all I do is skateboard. It, it started technically with skateboarding because it's like when people were getting into it in like seventh, eighth, ninth grade. It's mm-hmm. like, well, I can't skate when I'm drunk. And that's all I wanted to do. Right. So it's like everyone's drinking. I'm going to skate. You know, I'll go to the party, but I'm going to go, I'm going to be skating in the front or something. Right. And then I just never got into it. I tried like a couple beers with my older brother once. Right. Like, this is whack. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're like not interested. In not this. interested. And never looked back and don't, will never look back for sure. Yeah. That's what I mean. Like it's people are like, I can't believe you're still straight edge. And it's like, that's a, I'm just me. There's a title out there that makes sense to be totally that, but. Yeah. No, I'm, I mean, I'm the same way where it's like, but it's funny because I still have this weird notion that it's like, if I give up that title, if I just, you know, I mean, because we're grown ass men yeah. now. We don't need to call ourselves straight I don't. Edge. I mean, I have an X right there, you know, yeah. on the ground. Right, but I know. We, yeah, we, we, we have yeah, <laughs> still urban outfitter accoutrements that, you know, show that we're straight edge. A little subtle. Right. But then I always look at it where it's like, if I give up that title, I feel like the dumb kids win. Like the people that give straight edge a bad name totally will win because people like you and I have like, oh, we're not that title anymore. It's like, well, no, like we are. Yeah. Like I'm still super, super proud of it, you know? And um, I, I don't know. It's, I don't think it's for everyone. I don't think it's for most people. I don't care when people stop doing it yeah. or anything like that. Uh, I think it's weird when people stop doing it like when they're really old yeah you're like you've been through like yeah it's like just you know each their own and that's cool but if you're not if you don't know who you are yet that's a little weird yeah it's cool like go do your thing (laughs) sure figure it out eventually yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's just weird um and so you uh you strike me as a type of person like you know once you started to you know go to high school and start to develop like kind of who you were you strike me as a as a person what i like to call a chameleon where it's like and i don't mean this in a bad way where it's like you're able to kind of like flip between groups where it's just like you could hang out with the people who are like you know whatever the proverbial jocks in high school but then you can also obviously hang out with the hardcore kids um was was that kind of like who you were or or did you kind of stick to one group more yeah no i was um and still am like my my friends call me a social butterfly you know i i I get along with everyone and i was you know we actually had a lucky at our school because everyone talks about like oh we were the weird like seven straight issues at our school which we were but when I was a freshman, the like seniors, like the football stars, like our literal quarterback and running backs were straight edge. And wow. so like it kind of set this weird like, all right, straight edge dudes are all right. I mean, granted, those dudes were not edge now and probably weren't like <laughs> six months later. Right. But it set this like precedent of like straight edge kids aren't necessarily like the, the dorks and the weird outcasts. Like they're just right. there was like at the tone. parties. Yeah, yeah, yeah they're yeah, at the yeah. parties and they're just not drinking, you know, sure. still get our little jabs. But right. yeah, totally. I would hang out with my crew of weird straight edge dudes and then like skateboarders and you know like some of the like cool guys at school and all that jazz that's that would that would define me but then i when i met the like huntington and newport guys then it was like party over i'm like dude fuck my school these dudes are whack and they're there is such a bigger crew than our weird eight they're like a weird like 50 you know right, i'm like yeah. this is great because you, you, you did you go to newport harbor or did i you went go? to fountain valley but i oh, met a kid that got transferred to Fountain Valley from, I don't know if he was from Harbor or not, come to think of it, but, you know, this guy who looked like a hardcore dude in in the late 90s and had an 8th Envision sticker on his folder, got transferred to our school, and I'm like, who the fuck are you? Right, like, where did you come from? Yeah, he's like, oh, 18 Visions are like all my friends, and at this point, I didn't know any of them. I'm like, what? You know, this is insane at that point. So that guy, his name was Brandon, introduced me to Ken, Floyd, who sure. I'm still good friends with, and th- that introduced me to all the Newport dudes, right, which I'm right. still very good friends with all of them. That's how I met, you know, Throwdown and 18 Visions and touring and all that shit. Yeah, one yeah. guy that got transferred. That's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, it's funny that you're able to like kind of always just dis- 
like distill those things down to one point where it's just like, yeah. oh yeah, like if I didn't meet that one person, who knows where that totally. would have gone. Um, and so then as you did, did you immediately like, you know, once you started to like go to shows and be, well, I, I guess a better question, how did you get exposed to it in the first place? Like, was it, um, was it like old, your older brother or how did, you know, kind of the independent music scene start to infiltrate you? As I've heard on your show, like 400 times skateboarding yeah. into, sure. but I was more skateboarding into metal for okay. some reason. I, like just, I guess the style of skateboarding I was, I was more like kind of thrasher and like, you know, heavy metal stuff and listening mm-hmm. to like Slayer and stuff like that. Um, but like stand, I guess I always liked aggressive music because back when like Guns N' Roses was yeah. Guns N' Roses and Skid Row was like the heaviest thing I could ever imagine and of I course. heard Metallica and then I dove into like Slayer and Pantera and Sepultura and all that so I was like this metal guy like cool I'm this metal guy that skateboards but then like the cool skateboarder guy well I thought was cool he's probably like a big nerd but <laughs> yeah. like dude I thought was cool because he skated the fastest and like drove before me and all that all he listened to was like Misfits and Dead Kennedys and stuff like that. So I got crazy into punk. Mm-hmm. And then not as, I, I guess once I, once I found like the, at that time, like that, that metalish hardcore, mm-hmm. that was when I was like, this is it. This is the hybrid. Yeah. This is, this like is the, the world I love. Looking- this is the metal I love. This is it. And so that was it. It was skateboarding into punk from my friend Brandon. And then once I met everyone, it was like, you know, yeah. Off from there. No, totally. You felt like you stepped into something where it's just like, and I, I felt it too, where it's like, you feel like you step into something that's like kind of your own in a way too, where it's just like, because obviously it's like since that, the metallic hardcore thing started to become so prevalent in the mid and late nineties, it wasn't this like 15 to 20 year history you had to play catch up with. Totally. It was like, it was, I was living in it. That was the thing. Yeah. I have like no shit. I, I, you know, I, I listened to older hardcore and like I can talk old hardcore and all that jazz, but like I didn't dive in as crazy as other people did at yeah. all yeah. because the 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 excitement for me was the live setting like i could i remember distinctly like being heartbroken if i was like into a band and then finding out they were from europe i'm never <laughs> going to fucking see these guys right or like into this record and they would break up or something cuz the whole like the payoff like the work of like memorizing it and loving it and getting so passionate about it was when turmoil would come through town and i would just go ape shit yeah i knew every word and every you know what i mean right and uh i I would i would listen to the old stuff but once i fell in love with the live setting it was really hard for me to not stay up on what's new and that's how i still am like Mm -hmm. i still grant i listen to my old stuff too but i I still love listening to new music and going to shows and you know i still absolutely love it i don't mosh as much anymore yeah right (laughs) yeah you you've you've learned how to adapt to your own age where it's like that's you know i don't need to do that anymore but i still like did a like a good hardcore show where I'm just like man it's great I I love it look forward to it totally totally I still absolutely love it yeah it's like those those emotions no matter no matter how long you've experiencing how long you've been experiencing them you can they're still so fresh when you do trip across it where it's just like oh yeah that that mimicked exactly what I felt like 20 totally. years ago or whatever um, the uh, did you like as you were you know going through high school? Like, did you like did you care at all in regards to school? Like, did you have sort of a path where it's like, oh, I would like to you know do this? I know you mentioned that you wanted to be a veterinarian at some point. Yeah. Like, was that all kind of filtering through high school, or was like music kind of your 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 beacon, as it were? Um, well, my mom, since my mom was a teacher, she instilled it very early. Like, education's important, mm-hmm. and you know, if you do well in school, I would get like rewards for good grades and all that oh, jazz, okay. and. uh what that I, I did really well in school, like really, really well, and it was actually it seemed pretty easy to me. I, I was I'm, I'm just like a fast person in general, so like 
when it came time to do homework, I'd be like, just try to get through it and go, and then I can go skateboard or get, go play whatever. You sure. Know? So I always did good and always like did all my homework and all that jazz. But then as it went like into the later years, like thinking about college, my mom, like I said earlier, was like, you can live at home for free if you go to college. And I was just at this cross crossroads where I'm like, fuck, like <laughs> I have no idea what I want to do. Right. All I care about is hardcore and touring. My friends are going on tour. How you know, how can we do this? And I just weaseled through. I went to OCC Orange Coast College, a like community thing for two years mm-hmm. and would tour on like the summer break, the winter break, spring break, because all my friends were in college, and we would literally book it around that. And then, like, every once in a while, I would take a semester off because I got to go to Europe. And, like, I'll never be able to do this again. I got to take a semester off school. Right. Turns out I went 100 times. But, like, at that time, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I took a semester off. So I just kind of, like, weed, weed, bobbed and weaved, and it took me five years, but I got a degree from Cal State Fullerton. Um, but it was all the college thing was just because my mom it was beat into me like got to go to college totally got to go to college you were, you were just you were just biding your time totally like yeah, and yeah. i had to figure out how to appease mom so i could live at home but make sure i get ingrained with all my friends who want to take me on tour and then it like like simultaneous so it was like i was finishing college dave dave peters and dom from michael Lucifer from throwdown were finishing college all of us at, at uh cal state fullerton at that point okay and then it was just like all right we're all done let's go and we all just went on tour Right, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's like yeah, it uh, it timed perfectly. Totally, and it look, looking back, it's like people always ask, like, well, you know, what degree should I get to get into management? And the, you know, yeah. nothing, of course. But right, right. And, and it's like, do I need the degree? Absolutely not. Did I probably learn time management, people skills, like everyone talks about? Probably, but yeah. it's, it was just a. It's hard to say. Like, did I need it? It's like I don't know. It led me on this path that I went on that I ended up loving. So sure. I'm sure. gonna say it was crucial. You know what I mean? Totally. Some way or another, it, it all. But I, I, out. I think usually, like to me, what's sort of indicative of that experience is like the, your ability to obviously realize that that there is obviously something important important in regards to like the societal standards and obviously like upholding your promise to your mom. Totally. But then also having the context of just like, but I'm still pursuing the shit I care about. You yeah. know? So it's like because obviously it's like some people, and I think that's you know people just get lazy where it's like it's hard to do both. But totally. you were just like, well, no, I got to do this because I got to do this. Yeah. And I would hustle. I would stay in the know. Like, I would do shows on my own. Like, I, I was doing everything I could to right. be as active as I could without being in a band. That's all. Everyone I knew was in a band. Yeah. Everyone. Why did you never play in a band? I can't do anything. You I have no play. talent. That doesn't, but I, mean, I can't that, run around like an asshole and scream on stage. Yeah, well, right? I, I mean, that, that <laughs> clearly, that most of us that ended up doing that... <laughs> I don't can't have, even scream, I don't think. I don't even know. I, could, I just could never do it, and I, I don't know. And you I were, was obsessed with it, though, dude. Like, more than probably most people. Like, I would go to, like, all of... I would go... I probably... There was probably, like, three years where I didn't miss an 18 Visions practice. Why oh. was I doing that? Why would I sit there in a room... You can't hear anything no. at Orbit Studios. You know no, this. of course. You can't hear one thing, and I would just sit there. That's probably why I'm deaf now. And just get blasted from you like twice a week. Every, I would always go. Right. Why? Hey, show, hey, show up to know. practice, Biggie. We got practice. I have no idea why I would do that. I loved it though. I loved every aspect of it. And yeah. I just, but I was never in it. And so right. I would go on tour. I would sell their merch. And then right. as I was selling merch, it's like, well, do you want to like go get the money from the promoter? You know, a hundred dollars or yeah, whatever. Settle the make, show. Yeah, I'll go settle. I'll go right. settle this show, and which means here's your one hundred dollars. You totally. know. And, and then you uh, got to count it in front of them to make sure they gave you the hundred dollars. Exactly. You know. <laughs> And it just kind of morphed, you know. I went from selling merch and like yeah. picking up "quote unquote" tour manager duties here and there, and right. I became a tour manager. And then right. that's that's what I really did for a long time. Sure, sure. That's, that's 
the uh, and so as you were obviously starting to get completely engulfed by you know like hardcore and music in general, it's like was your uh, was your mom like I'm really concerned like he, I don't I don't know what it is that he is doing. Yeah, she she wasn't con- she was just weirded out. She's like all I know because my my home was like home base. My yep. mom was a cool mom, and she's like they all come over. They're covered in tattoos. They're really nice. They go upstairs. Who knows what they're doing? There's, there might <laughs> right. be girls up there. There might not be like right. there's loud music. Who knows what's going on? But I know they're home. I know they're safe. I know they're not partying in, right. the, in, the, in the drinking sense, you know? Mm-hmm. So she was cool and very, very supportive of it. Um, and then when it came time to, like I said, start touring more, she just looked at her own life and said, like, I never got to go to Europe, let alone for free, let alone with 10 of my friends. You know, right. that's just that first time when Throwdown and 18 Visions went together. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and so she let me, you know, let me do that. I think she just knew that I just had a good head on my shoulders. You know, sure. like I was when I was getting in trouble, it was stupid shit, you know, with the law. Like, not, not I wasn't like a bad kid. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You do dumb teenage stuff, like yeah, vandalism. I, I was very respectful and all that <laughs> jazz, but I was doing stupid shit. Right. But she let me kind of have free range. And she's like, if you're not getting in trouble and your grades are up, go nuts. I, I like argued that with her because I wanted to stay out late and skateboard and stuff. Mm-hmm. And she, I'm just like, what do you care? Like if I'm not getting in trouble <laughs> right. and my grades are up, like what do you care? Like what is, what's the difference if I'm upstairs or not? And she's just looking at me like, okay, you win. Like, right, I, I have no, no answer, argument. You right? win. And I'm like, <laughs> I <was> like <laughs> had no curfew. I was out. You know, I thought I won this victory and I literally sat around softcore at my friend's apartment, as you know, like right. till 4 a.m. doing nothing. Right. Well, but in I, my head it was like, Fuck yeah, I'm out at 4 a.m. Totally. sitting on this couch doing nothing. Well, I think it's like any time that I – because I had a very similar experience with, with, with my parents where it was just like it was a matter of like if I produced what they, I guess, quote unquote, required of me, like my life was so much easier. And it's like all of my friends that didn't experience that sort of like trust are just like you're making your life really shitty. Yeah. Like by you not living up to whatever standard your parents have set, like I'm like – it just never made any sense to me why it's like – why are you making your life hard? <laughs> like, yeah. Why don't you like listen to what it is that they want and then do that? And then they will, I mean, as long as they're reasonable parents, they'll be like, oh yeah, like your mom, like obviously she had no argument. No, not at that point. Right. You know, <laughs> at that point I had one. Right. Um, the, and so the, like, I presume just because it was the, the, the sort of touring. And like you said, you were kind of just working your way up. Um, you obviously like loved being out on the road and you loved, all those experiences that kind of you know were tied up into that loved it I, okay. I i loved every aspect of it i loved seeing different cities i loved being at a show every day yeah. you know like, it's crazy to think back now like the bands i toured with and how many hundreds of times i saw them and watched all the whole time just stoked yeah you know, i don't even get it how i could have but i just loved it so much and uh meeting everyone met so many so many amazing people that i'm still friends with and so many like just cool experiences, bad things that happen, great things that happen. Just live a fulfilled, what I would consider a fulfilled life for so long that, you know, I did it for 10 years straight. Right. You know, hard. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I did it hard. What was and, the longest uh, that you were, I guess, gone for within a year? Uh, I would say 10 months, 10 out of 12. That's brutal. That was, it was rough. I, but like average, you know, like. I guess I was kind of ping-ponging. Like, we didn't know what we were doing. So, like, when 18 Vision yeah, yeah. throw down stuff would tour, we would think, like, oh, we're so busy. It's insane. And we did, like, six weeks of touring a year, you so, know? <laughs> but that evolved into once I got – once I met Every Time I Die through those through those bands, 
those guys are like animals, and mm-hmm. so they would just be gone. Yeah, two hundred plus days a year. Totally. Yeah. Like I would, I would say an average year at that time was like eight to nine, eight months average, and that's like barring a six month album cycle, and then like or a, uh, sorry, a six month writing period for a slow year, and then yeah. like ten month crazy year. So I would say like oh, probably eight is their average, and uh, that was when I was like, okay, this is like real deal. I can't work because kind of I was kind of ping ponging around. Like, who do I go to? Like, okay, I'll go with you for two weeks and you for a month. This is like. Etid is that's it. Like I kind of this is I'm their guy. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. And so I went with them for like I don't know five years or something like that on tour. Right. I still work with them. Yeah, yeah. And and you because I mean obviously like I mean reflecting on obviously what you're doing now from a management perspective like did you kind of take to the the sort of like business aspect of the bands like you obviously enjoyed that um, and did you take did you take to it immediately or was it something that you obviously like had to learn how to do initially yeah it was definitely fake it till you make it for sure still to this day faking it um but it was like i said it was more like well i guess i'll sell merch because we need to sell merch and i guess i'll look into the hotel because we got to look into the hotel i guess i'll send in sound scans you know before at venue you know what i mean like i I just kind of just acquired all the jobs and it wasn't like they said dude you got to do this you're our tour manager you know um i would just take every responsibility and own it you know and even if it wasn't my responsibility and and many after many years what i realized what i was doing was essentially managing the band you know i would take i just wouldn't hit anyone up like i'd be like oh we need to book the van i'll do it we need to book a flight i'll do it we need to make a budget i'll do it you know and of course the managers love me cuz they like, this kid's just killing he's doing it. it he's yeah he's doing all, doing all of our work that's yeah, great like, i didn't know how to land us a tour i didn't know like anything about recording contracts anything like that but anything on the road i would do everything uh-huh. and as I got deeper and deeper into the band, you know, I became kind of a six member guy of like involved in all their personal shit and involved in all the behind the scenes shit. And I was very, you knew everything that was was happening. Yeah. I was like part of the band, you know? Right. And, um, you know, fast forwarding, I got sick of touring eventually. Yeah. Met my wife, started like not in, it started being like, I'm going on tour instead of like, fuck going on tour. I can't wait. You know, started being like a different feeling. And after like a year of it really feeling like work, I was just like, fuck this. I was right. on like my fourth or fifth warp tour, which is like, you know, an ex- it's a strenuous, strenuous tour. tour to do. What and, uh, so with the the like talk to me more about that feeling that you get when or that feeling that you got obviously when you when you kinda hit the wall of touring. Because it's like a lot of people um, you know, do go through those like spaces where it's like, Oh, like maybe this is something like I'll get out of or whatever, but it's like, you know, tell like walk me through. Cause I mean, yeah, touring is obviously such a weird beast for people who just like yeah. either experiencing it like in very little amounts or don't experience it um, beyond just the band playing in front of them, you know? Yeah. It was interesting because after a while I, st- like I owned, I always felt like, like I'm part of this band, I'm part of this band. And then the, re- the reality was like, I'm not, you know, like right. I'm, I'm just a crew member. Like, like fire me. Like that. I'm working my ass off to make sure their career has longevity and they get bigger as a band, which is great. But at the end of the day, like I'm here, I'm making the max I can make with these guys. Like they they paid me great as a tour manager. It's like I can't even ask for more. It's like this is too much money right as is for this size of this band. Role, like I was sure. earning it. I was doing enough work to justify it, but it's not like I can ask for more. So it's like I just hit the crossroads of like I either need to and I always had, you know, I wanted to make money. I wanted to be successful. So it's either like move on to the next level of touring, which becomes touring with strangers and arena bands and all this shit, which that just becomes a job to me, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah, yeah. Or figure out the next step, you know? And I didn't know it, but 
at the time, this guy Paul Conroy, who I call my mentor, um, who was managing bands and stuff, and I told him like, man, I'm just just done, you know, like. He used to manage every time I died. Didn't at, didn't at this time, but like he owned this big company and stuff. And like I'm done. I don't know. He's like, well, why don't you just come off tour and be a manager? I'm like, okay. You yeah. Know, what do, that sounds. What good. does that mean? Yeah. And he's he's the type of person where you know someone can say that and then like walk away from me at Warp Tour and just like see I'm on to the next thing. Right. But he was at he got in his head and he's like, no, really. Like two days after Warp Tour, fly to New York, meet this band. Let's pick up our first band together. I'm like, okay, and. That's right. how it started. Right, you know, right. We flew and picked up, as weird as it sounds, now that I don't work in that world, we, the first band I managed was VNV Nation. Oh, okay. With him. Oh, that's, that's right. I think I remember, remember that. that? The, um, and so was it, was it one of those things where you just felt like, uh, like you were like, well, okay, I guess this is the opportunity for me to get off the road, like, and you're like, I'm going to put my all into it? Yeah, well, it was like, I'm going to try this, because I didn't know. Like, what, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like a guarantee, you know? Anyone can say they're a manager, so there's no guarantee you're going to succeed. Right. So in my head, I was like, well, this is a way to test the water. I'm just co-managing. I essentially was doing what I was doing for every time I die, but for VNV Nation. I wasn't doing anything on like the big business stuff. I was like, oh, you need flights and visas and budgets. Sure. Like, I got you. The day-to-day managers. Exactly. I was day-to-day. And um, I can do that from the road. And so I was finishing out this e- – we, we talked on Warp Tour, which was obviously in the summer. And so I was picking up kind of momentum in the management world. Still only had VNV all the way f- until the next, like, March. Okay. And so I decided somewhere in there that this is going to be my last... I'm going to finish out every time that I cycle because they were going to finish in Soundwave in Australia. Mm-hmm. And they're going to go away for six months and write a record. And in that time, I'm going to, like, become a manager. Sure. And so, long story short, when I was telling did like I'm done. It was kind of, they were kind of very cool and said, "Well, you got to be involved in some way." I don't know. They didn't know like the business of it, but like you yeah. got to do something with us. So I co-managed Etid with their at the time manager. Got it. So here I am, like I got VNV Nation, which if you know that band, like this is a pretty sizable band, and yep. I got every time I die. Like this is a great start. Absolutely, to it adds the, the the credibility that you were able to bring to the table. Was yeah, and it was, and I was comfortable. It's like I was I had Etid who were like my best friends, and I, if I fucked up, they're just like, Man, what are, you know, they're not gonna hang me out to dry or anything. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, um, you know, I, I, I have, I have some connection to pretty much every band I manage, you know, like on a personal level, just like with this podcast, like pretty mm-hmm. much everyone you do, it's like some weird, like, Hey, we remember in the in 2001, we did that thing in Chicago, like, yep. All the way to me where it's like just same neighborhood forever. That's how it is with all my bands. Like when, when I got brought on to the company I now own, which, you know, we can go into detail later. Yep. Um, it was like, well now go find clients. And I'm like. What, am I, what do you want me to do? Like, <laughs> hey guys, I manage bands now. You know, it's not my thing, but right. you know, scrutinize. And then between the barrier to me, never had a manager. I was great friends with those guys from touring with, you know, yeah, pr- seeing them on the road. For, yeah. Right, right. And I went went to one of their shows, and I'm like, no manager now, you know. And Tommy, <laughs> who's like one of my great great friends, was managing essentially managing the band at the time. Yeah, you know, a little weary, but he's like, you know, fuck it, let's try let's it try out. it out again. I was like the connector to Paul. Paul Conroy was the guy. And Paul can come in and, you know, sell anything to anyone. So I partnered with Paul, mm-hmm. came on board with us, and now I have a partner in all these bands, but VMB Nation, every time I die, between the barrier to me. Right. It's like starting to grow, you know. And then, you know, it's just a steamroll where Tara was at the company. They didn't, they didn't like their situation. Totally. Scott was like, we want to stay at your company, but we should have Biggie do it. So now it's you know, just starting to grow. Right, you know, right. And... and, and 
Well, I, I and, and I think it's what I mean. You you recounting those stories, I think, is I mean, leads into a question I was going to ask. Where it's like the um, you can definitely see the people who have obviously like I, I guess come from a quote unquote scene, and obviously it's like you know you just know people because you know people because mm-hmm. you spent so many times in the same rooms as these people. Mm-hmm. And so there's that sort of like inherent level of trust where you're just like, oh yeah, yeah, you're on the same level. You you know, you speak the same language. And that to me has always been indicative of how you do business with like all of your bands. Like, you know, how we were talking the other night where it's just like, obviously you don't, you know, you don't do contracts with your bands. Like no. all these things that are very kind of um, sort of the antithesis of the way a lot of other people do business. Even yeah. people that have obviously come from our scene. Um, and so it's like, I, I presume that's a very, um, you know, deliberate, choice on your part where it's just like this is the way that i'm doing it and this there's like there's no ifs ands or buts about that yeah well considering you know like everyone i manage pretty much like i said has at least one good friend that was my friend before managing right i just wanted to perform for my friends like i would see these guys like being mistreated and miss no not you know mishandled i should say and right dudes that are unhappy and i just i couldn't get it and it it doesn't stop now like yeah it, it my biggest band I picked up was Circus Survive last year. And I remember meeting those dudes and just being like, I can't believe this is how to my head Circus I saw them in these huge shows, just like, Oh, there's that huge band. Like, <laughs> yeah, must totally. be nice being Circus Survive. <laughs> totally. And then I meet him. And it's like, you know, Anthony's going through tons of problems. There's personal problems inside and outside of the band, financial problems. They hate their managers. They hate their labels. They, you know, what do we do? It's like, we're going to break up. I'm like, what is going on? Like right, yeah. you're sitting on a diamond. Like let's, <laughs> hold on for a minute. Give me six months and let's, you know, regroup. You know what I mean? And and I don't know where I was going with that. No, no, no. But I, I I mean, (laughs) the, the, well, it's funny because I, I mean, I hear this quite often where it's just like the, the, that the kernel that you're getting at is the, the fact that you obviously just want to be helpful. Yeah, I do. And that's the thing. Like, don't get me wrong. My friends love to make fun of me. Like I'm, I'm a suit. I like to make money. I like to be successful. I have no guilt about the success I have or any of that stuff. Right. But the core root of me I love helping people. I'm a dude that would rather give a gift than get a gift. I, I just love it. Like I get so much enjoyment of like someone texting me saying like you've changed our life or like man we were we were in a bad spot or right. you know this situation would have sucked if it wasn't for you. Like it's the best thing in the world. Or like it's hey like hey you'll return a call. Like yeah, I I like I'm so shocked when it's like that's the other thing like oh yeah like I can't get my business manager on the phone. It's like what are you talking about? Like, you really making money work. right now off you right today today they're making money off you. I'll <laughs> never get it. Right, he works. That person works for you. You understand yeah. to the point to where like if I am in like if I don't see my phone or if I'm in the pool or something with my yeah. kid, uh, like thirty minutes will go by and they'll be like, hey man, not a huge like they'll text me and then like not a huge rush but making sure you're all good. You right. never don't reply. You know, I'm like oh no, I'm good. I'm just. In the pool. You yeah, know? yeah. I'm just like, they're not mad. They're just like, did you reply right away? Everything cool? You know? right. Like, I'm on it with replies. You, you've emailed with me, you know. It's of course. Just like, ping, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, 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 you're engaged because obviously you're the, the passion and, like you said, the, the identity that you've created for yourself in regards to like helping people. I think that that really jumps through and that obviously that makes bands and people that want to work with you more endeared to you because you're just like, oh, yeah, like, you just want to help, like yeah. It's not and I just get, I just get lines get blurred. I just get wedged in from business into personal. You know, yeah. that are like, I don't know, like, what should I do with like tax stuff? What should I, I kind of want to buy a house? I have like, we made all this money. What's the best thing to do with it? And I'm not an expert by any means, but let me at least connect you with people that know. And so right. I just become the guy that people come to. You know, totally. With can you problems. help me with this? Sure, yeah, totally. And the answer is 
most of the time, yes. Right. You know? As long as it's care. involved with music, I'll probably be able to point you in the right direction. Yeah. Or, or maybe Hopefully. help you myself. Yeah. Um, the, uh, you actually mentioned this a little bit earlier where it's like the, the because uh, so many people speak about like, you know, imposter syndrome where it's just like, yeah, fake it till you make it. Like that sort of idea where it's like, you don't have any idea what you're doing, but you need to act like you know in order for people to like have confidence and that sort of stuff. Um obviously because you mentioned that was the case for you for a long time. Um, When did you feel like you kind of turned a corner there where it was like, Oh, I feel comfortable. Like in, like you said, being able to offer advice and being able to like actually be a quote unquote professional. Um, Like, you know, it it doesn't have to be a specific moment. There's an exact moment. (laughs) Well, it's it's less a moment of when I, 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 it was a moment when I I took the training wheels off basically. Like I was, Connected to Paul Conroy, yep. and he was my guy. And I was like, proudly, he was my guy. Like, oh, I'm Paul's dude. You know, he would never say I was day to day, would call me his partner. Sure. But in my head, I knew what time it was. Like, he was the guy. <laughs> yeah, you're you like, know? I know where I sit. Yeah. Like, I'm not filing lawsuits against, you know, labels without Paul, you know? <laughs> right. And so he was my guy. We were killing it. We were doing probably, I probably had like five bands, and uh, he was taking a part of the commission. I was taking the vast majority of the commission, but he was like my go to for the big picture stuff. Sure. And, uh, as as Paul has done, he jumped to the next phase of his business career. Mm-hmm. He kind of has like a two or three, I didn't know, but he has a, a few year window that he stays like engaged and then he kind of, he's just, he's swimming, he's going up, you know? Mm-hmm. And he sat me down in LA and he's like, I'm leaving the music business. And my fucking head almost exploded. He loves to tell this story now. Now that I made it out on the other side and he made it on the other side, sure. he's like, dude, I told everyone, and every, most people were probably sort of grateful because he's like he's a badass. So most people were like, "Cool, fucking boss is gone. See you later," you know. Right. And he's like, everyone I could tell was either happy for me or relieved. And then there was you that was like, "Where, where am like, I going?" Yeah, he's like, "I felt like I told you your dog died," and I'm like, "That's how I felt." I'm like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" Right. Like, what are you talking about? You're not. I don't know what to do. You know. Right. And he's like, "You know what to do." I'm like, "I don't know what to do," <laughs> and uh, that was when I was just like, "All right," like fuck it <laughs> and i had to tell all the bands i'm like paul's leaving does that affect right. where do you want to do you, do you want, want me to stay? stay with me like right. joker ass biggie like moshing <laughs> you know like do you want to stay here and everyone stayed and uh to this day there are definitely times where i'm just like i'm calling my lawyer i don't know about this you know i'm right. calling this is a tricky label thing i'm calling carl you own the label forever you know mm-hmm. um and i'm i'm still learning so much and i'm still um not what I would consider to be like a business badass like the dudes that I look up to. But right. I can run a management company, I can manage a band, and I can uh, delegate properly, but also not make clients feel like I'm just delegating everything, you know? Yeah, yeah. You're, yeah, you're hands-on enough to where it's just like they're... And not hands-on by saying like you're placating somebody, but you're hands-on where it's like you're getting the value out of whatever you feel that it is that you know we've agreed to from a commission yeah. standpoint. Where yeah, it's, yeah, it's not just... just never, I, I would just be... Supp- my my fear is when I hear these bands like, yeah, I fucking hate our manager. We pay him all his money, doesn't do anything. And it's like in my heart, I'm like, what if like what if like the story so far sits around and says that about me? <laughs> you know, like what if like you know, yeah, that's like yeah. the biggest fear in the world. But like I don't think anyone does that. But right. I make sure I just try to make sure that I'm never that guy. Like Totally. I'll answer everything you ever need. If I I'll be honest, if I think it's a terrible idea, I'm not just gonna say yes and do it. You know, I'm definitely not a yes man, but I will try to get it done for you. Right. You know, whatever it is. 
Did you, because I do think that's an important component that I think a lot of people, I mean, I totally had this misconception. Granted, this was like late 90s, early 2000s when the idea of managers for hardcore bands was such a weird concept. Yeah, it it was like, I was like, oh, like Ryan Downey's the only person that manages hardcore bands. Like, totally. every, the, it didn't make any sense. And even that was because he was, yeah, throw down and bleeding through. They're like best friends. I was of like, course. I guess like you know how to write a great email and can probably like open a bank account for us. Like, let's go. And they right. all learn together. Yeah. That's, know? that's, that's the manager. Yeah. But like, cause so many people feel, uh, I say the public perception is the idea that it's like the manager is some sort of like, you know, puppet master. And it's just like, Oh, whatever the manager says goes like, we yeah. hardly have that choice. Like, do you, is that still common? Like, do people still perceive it that way? Like from, I don't know, just the limited interactions that you kind of see out there, uh, as far as the perception is concerned. Yeah, I don't know. Like, it's so different now. Yeah. Now it's worse than ever. Mm-hmm. Like, in terms of people saying you're a manager, I mean, there's no, there's no prerequisite. There's no credentialing necessary. Right. So, like, you got a Gmail account. I, yeah, I mean, thank God. Like, otherwise, I maybe I wouldn't have a job. But yeah. it's hard to sift through that bullshit. But I don't know if, like, I guess. Yeah, I, I can't really. Yeah, I mean, it's a tough thing because I mean, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that it's like. There are so many people that obviously say they manage bands, but then they clearly not only is it they, they're faking it till they're making it, but then they're just making some really, really horrible decisions for people. And then, you know, that business relationship is dissolved and people hate each other. And then that kind of perpetuates that. Yeah, it I'm perpetuates just like, people thinking, like, well, managers suck. Like, right. this guy didn't do anything, he just took money, which is a lot what a lot of managers are doing. You right. Know? Like, of course, things are getting done, but I mean, most managers work off 15%. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of money. Yeah. It's a lot of money. Of course. If you're just a guy taking 15% of a band, like, A, you should be making up at least some of that money. Like, I'm not saying if a band pays their manager 100 grand, the manager says, oh, well, I created $100,000 of income. Not necessarily that, but like, create some of that money or create an insane service. Like, now the sponsorships are gone and like the, the, the dreams are over of big money music stuff. Like, you, you have your own team mm-hmm. and means to make a career and that's it. It's like all I can do is expand my team. So it's like we have a, you know, me, a day to day, a marketing person, a, a sponsorship person, a social media person, you know, like right. anything you could possibly need because as everyone says, now that that's it's such a just it's just such the wild west. It's like whose job's what? Like is this the label's job? Is this my job? And much like I did on tour, mm-hmm. it's like, well, there's this thing and it has to get done. I guess we'll do it because I'm not going to say, "Oh, sorry guys, like the label didn't do that, mm-hmm. you know, because I just, I just own everything. And if it's hey, this didn't get done, I just go my bad. Even if it's not my bad, if it's like someone on my staff fucked up, or oh, I checked in the label, they just didn't write me back. Well, I should have written back and see what's going on, you know. So right. I just we try to just own, gobble up everything we can. And once everything's mm-hmm. internal, and I know everyone that is working for me with me have are great at their jobs, nothing out of in our control goes wrong right you know? and there's no and, and if it does it's very easy like i can just own it and say like oh yeah fucked up oh yeah that, Sorry, that yeah that didn't happen because of this yeah um and the you, you joked earlier obviously about the the concept of you know being a suit and like being a person that is because uh, there's usually always a, like one or two people in in a band that obviously have to sort of take on that that business role or whatever um and it, it doesn't um it, it's that weird line of being like all right, I got to be friendly and personable. Like, because you've, well, I guess what I'm trying to ask, you never struck me as the person who's going to be like, pick up the phone and like fucking yelling at people. Never. Like, I'm a, I'm a bees, bees and honey kind of guy. Um, it's pretty rare that like it gets that bad. Yeah. You know, I, I'm just an even keel guy. And 
as much as I care, I just understand that everyone that is like that is looked at as a joke. It's like, oh, wow, this guy's flying off the handle. Big, you know, it's Tuesday, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So where if I fly off the handle, it's like, oh, shit, like something's going on. Totally. But it's so rare. Like I, I'm totally, I, you just get so many more favors if people want to work with you, you know? And, and I, I'll start working with these bigger agents and bigger labels and I get compliments all the time where it's like, oh, it's just so nice to work with you. You're so on it and it's, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm, I'm part of me is like, God, should I be more of an asshole? Like, is a, a good manager like fighting for his band every day? But in my head, I don't think so because ninety nine percent of the time you're gonna work with the same group of thirty people mm-hmm. in this industry, and if you just kill one verbally or you know, like it's gonna come back eventually. You Absolutely. Know? So it's just more like if there's a big problem that hat that is going on, it's like this is how this is going on right now. It's fucked up. We need to figure out a way to have it not be fucked up, mm-hmm. you know, and have that tone of it more so than just like screaming and, and going nuts. Right. You know, it's like, that's the default mode that people, same with the bands, you know, I hear these bands like going like a fight with each other. I'm just like, okay guys, let's bring it in <laughs> and let's fucking talk about it because going nuts in the, in the bus isn't going to solve anything. You know? No. So the, um, is it, is it funny for you being in a position now where obviously because you've been doing it for, a longer period of time that obviously people look to you when I say people that are like, you know, asking advice for, you know, management and all that sort of stuff. Um, or is it like, do you feel that sense of responsibility where it's just like, oh yeah, this happened to me because, you know, Paul helped me. So I in turn want to help other people. Like, is it just kind of weird sitting in that sort of like, yeah, it's weird when people will say like, oh, like you're the guy, like they want to meet with you at good fight. And I'm like, that's weird. Like there's better managers than me at good fight for sure. You know what I mean? Like I'm not the best manager at good fight. I might be the most personable, Mm -hmm. you know, I might, uh, it's very weird. Yes. And, um, Mm. I love it. I absolutely love when people want advice or, or Mm -hmm. when, you know, a younger manager, even though the answer is 90% no, it's like, I'd love to come become part of good fight. You know, it's the best flattering thing in the world. Right. I love it. Yeah. And just like, just like you were saying, it's, it, it almost happened, I didn't know it at the time, but I was restructuring our, our business because when Paul left, it, it left our company in disarray where it's like at the time, everyone was on salaries except me. I came in as a commission guy because I just saw through that. I'm like, wait, I can make like X amount of dollars a year or if I land some bands, I can make way more than that. Yeah. And I have this egg I'm sitting on from touring because I would tour and not spend money and you know, of course. so I could see if this works. So when Paul left, it was like this disarray of like, okay, what are we going to do? Dad left. Let's look at everything. Here are the books. And it's like, okay, that salary is fucking insane. Right. You know, you're uh, not getting paid six figures. That's yeah, ridiculous. Like, yeah. That's not happening. <laughs> um, so we just restructured our whole model to be what it is now. And, and what it essentially, what I didn't know at the time, what I was doing was creating people's, the ability to have someone come in as a young manager and not just make 20 grand a year, 30 grand a year, 40 grand a year, but start with a small salary if they needed it. But, start a roster and if your bands get big you're gonna make a lot of money really fast mm-hmm. you know and i didn't know that's what i was doing but i've created this model that has done amazing our, mm-hmm. our the guys in my company have flourished you know both business and financially because there's not one guy at the top paying a half million dollars in salaries hoping to make 700 grand over the year in commissions and net that 200 it's just like you eat what you kill and if you don't kill you don't eat and it exposes you if you're slacking and it, it rewards you if you're killing, you yeah. know, if you're doing great. And so people like people that have come on as like my quote unquote day to day managers, 
just skyrocket up because they have great ears and their bands get big. And instead of being like, cool, I make 40 grand a year. This is great. Oh, I got to raise to 50 grand a year. It's like, well, I just made 100 grand last year because these couple bands did, did well. I'm right. going to get the next big band and do well. And while I get a piece of that, it's nothing like crazy. It's totally incentivized, incentivized everyone to work really hard to understand that I get out exactly what I put in. And if I put in more, I get out more. And, you know, I didn't know that's what I was doing. I wasn't trying to create this like big business plan. I was just like, how do we not have to change email addresses and like not tell everyone we're a fucking shell of a company? And so I created this new thing and now it's like, oh, this kind of works. You know, (laughs) the the sheer panic of like, oh my gosh, I just, I, I really, yeah. Like it's so funny when your mind goes to like the simplest of shit where it's just like, I got to hold on to that. Yeah. But then, yeah, then all of a sudden all this other stuff that you build up where it's just like, oh, that like, oh, that's a thing now, I guess. Yeah. Like we're doing. Yeah. Like people call us like, how are you guys set up? Because it just seems like you're doing so well. And I'm like, this is what we do. And they go like. It's fucking genius. Right. And I'm like, well, thanks. I didn't mean to at all. Yeah, like, I totally tripped into I this. just didn't want to like have to change email addresses again and start right. a new company. But this is how we are now. Like, right. Um, and the, what you were just saying kind of answers the, the, the next question I was going to ask where it's like, obviously, with, with us being involved in sort of, you know, youth culture and, you know, continually like what, you know, what was cared about five years ago is not cool anymore, whatever. Like there's obviously it's a very high recycle point. Um, does it, does it ever concern you where of just like, oh, like, you know, you do get to that point where it's just like, oh yeah, like, you know, I'm not as enthusiastic about checking records, you know, every week or whatever, not saying that you're going to get to that point, but like that sort of like always being ahead of the game from like, you know, knowing bands before everybody else and that sort of stuff. Does that, um, I I wouldn't even say concern you, but does that just kind of circle in your orbit where it's just like, oh yeah, like maybe I shouldn't, uh, you know, that's something that I'm going to have to be concerned about sooner rather than later. Yeah. I mean, I, I, when I bring on people, I I don't, when I say bring on, it's not like I find, I find another 35 year old dude. (laughs) I find young twenties, people that are like, have their ear to the ground on stuff and, you know, bring in amazing bands like turnover years before I heard who they were and and state champs years before I heard who they were. Um, and even now I brought in, James Vitalo from Backtrack, who's helping me with Terror and, you know, Turnstile and stuff. And he's just knows everything about hardcore and makes it easier for me where I'm like, dude, I, I listen to and love hardcore, but like, I don't know if freedom is bigger than forced order. I don't know that. Yeah. Maybe you do. Help me, you know? <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> but yeah, like it is. A, I can't ever imagine being myself the guy that's like, I own Good Fight and uh, these guys work f- under me and that's it. You know, like I can't ever, ever seeing that be the case ever. But I am conscious enough to be like, I need young people to keep keep this thing happening and not just be some weird graveyard company of like, well, they have all these cool old bands, but like they haven't like built a band in, in a long time. You know yeah. What I mean? No, totally. That's a good point. Yeah. You don't want to, yeah. You definitely, the, the graveyard notion where it's just like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I've been managing the same band for 20 years and like yeah. that's it. It's like, you know, it's like there, there's certain bands where it's just like, oh, yeah, we've been the same manager for 25 years. Does he take care of anybody else? No. What? Like, yeah, you've literally just managed one band for yeah. twenty five years, and that's it. Yeah. yeah, it's definitely a weird thing. Um, the last thing I want to hit on was just the, um, uh, you know, the the idea that you, you are like you. I see the way that you deal with bands as very much like you still are that sort of proverbial like six member or fourth member. How many ever are in the band? Um, do you still feel like you're you're filling that role, or do you have to kind of sort of emotionally disconnect as well? Where it's like just because you do have to have that sort of like. I wouldn't even say professional distance because you're not like that, but just, you know, uh, how, have, how have you navigated that? Because sometimes... No, I'm, I'm in. <laughs> I'm in, dude. Like, dude, I I, I was... Uh, from 
from the highs of like being anxious for Circa to go on to 5,000 people at the shrine yep. to like getting goosebumps watching that show to being like hand on my head, like stressing, like, dude, why are these pre sales so low on this tour? Like, this band's great. The album's great. Everyone loves, you know, the package is great. Why is this happening? It's not like, eh, fuck, get them next time. You know, like, I, I carry it all, the highs and the lows, big time, you know, probably more than I should with how many bands I have. And like, yeah, I was going to say, how do you, I mean, like, that's, that's, uh, I mean, for lack of a term, like stressful. I mean, that's obvious because you're, you're, I mean, you also strike me as a very like hard in your sleeve person where it's like you, you are, because you kind of take on these bands and like you don't have that distance, like it, that, I'm sure that emotionally wears you out. Yeah, totally. Luckily, most of the time it's like the it's good you know yeah. luckily it's like oh i can't wait to go see this sold out show that's the usual vibe but every once in a while it's like man like i'm gonna write this terrible email to the band to say like hey put your head down and get through this tour it's gonna be a rough one mm-hmm. and knowing what that would feel like if i was in the van or bus or whatever it's just it's it sucks yeah. and now now that some of these older guys are like okay so i'm leaving my wife and kid to go play these shit ass shows because I have to make money. It's like, so this is a job where now this is just a job. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, you know, you're clocking in. Right. See you in a month. Right. And it's brutal. Uh-huh. You know? And I hate, I hate when that happens, but it happens. Right. You know? And, uh, and do you, do like, and you obviously try, like you, I, I presume you obviously try to be, um, as empathetic as you can to those situations where you're just like, Hey, like, yeah, like you said, we'll put your head down and get through this. Cause hopefully the next things on the horizon will obviously be better. And there'll be more hope or whatever. That. Yeah. Like okay. I try not to dismiss it. Just be like, do you just get through it? It's a bad tour. We'll get a good one soon. <laughs> but at the right. same time, I don't want to be like, the sky's fucking falling. Like maybe, maybe we look at day jobs, you know? So it's like finding the, the happy medium of like, we're going to get through it. It's a tough time of the year. It's, we, we went too diverse on this bill. Right. It's, too many bands are touring too much in the U.S., which is a I could do a whole podcast on that topic alone. <laughs> right, you know, um, too many full time bands taking away da da da. But yeah, it's it's finding the happy medium of like get through the tour. But I promise I care. It's not for lack of trying. You know, if mm-hmm. you want to see all the marketing that we paid a ton of extra money out of my pocket, out of my commission that I pay to have people do, I'll I'll send you a list. Like it's not for lack of trying. Right. Some tours just don't connect. Yeah. You know? It, and it's crazy. You, know, you do one tour, it's insane, and then do a tour nine months later, that's insane. But sandwiched in the middle was this shit ass tour. Mm-hmm. You're like, why? It's right. not like we just farted it out. Like, I ah, like fuck that one. Like, yeah, we'll just throw that right. Yeah, like we we take extreme, so much energy and attention to detail when it comes to touring. That's just like, why does this not work? Mm-hmm. And then another one that's just you can't eat, you. you you can't keep tickets from selling. Like the other ones are just flying away. It's like, why? Like, what the hell? Right. It's so weird. And there's no, the person that figures out that science is a millionaire. You know what I mean? Because totally. Because nothing, no right. Nothing is, is, is calculable. Exactly. This is, it's all just, uh, yeah. You, like you said, it's not for lack of trying. You put your best foot forward and then you're just like, well, I can't control this at this point. Yeah. Like I cannot, I can do everything but physically take the card out of the kid's wallet and purchase the ticket. You can't do that. <laughs> right. I'll try everything up until then. Right. You know? And it's, oh man, it's brutal. Right. Nothing, nothing sits worse than like, I have this weird rush of like work at like 9 and 10 p.m. at night from band members getting off stage. That's kind of like band time anyway in general. And right. So like up and working late at night, and I'll get the like, well, Kentucky sucked. It's mm-hmm. like, Turns out, you know, yeah, like, turns, right. <laughs> t- turns out that the evidence is that stacked up the past fifteen years that Kentucky isn't a hotbed. Yeah, it's like I. What do I say? It's like 
dude, I'm sorry. At least you're in Iowa tomorrow or something. You know what I mean? Like, and I, 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 but it's not that I don't care. I care. It's just, I don't know what to say, man. Like, yeah, you like, get through it. Right. You're know? like, yeah, I identify with that. Your band's I, not shot. You know, this is, you're still selling records. Your last tour did great. Your next tour did great. This one's not working. Right. But like I said, luckily, most of the time it's the like, holy shit, Dallas was insane. Like, mm-hmm. oh my God, this sold out. You know, that's, that's the general vibe. Right. You know? Right. Um, and because you obviously, I mean, like you have a family, you have, you know, a daughter, is it, um, is it one of those things where it's like you, you find your, you just have to budget your time more? Like, how are you kind of like, you know, addressing that sort of, you want to hear my exact day? No, I would, because <laughs> <laughs> you know, I have an exact day. Of course. <laughs> it's not, it, it's very scheduled, but not in the sense of like, okay, it's this time I must do this. It just works out like this every time I wake right. up early, get the first round of emails done, wake my kid up probably about like 8.30 or so. Because mm-hmm. uh, she stays up late and sleeps in late, which is a whole other story. Right. But wake her up, eat food, maybe watch some TV, to have like a little hangout time, you know, peeping at the inbox. Like it's laptops maybe on the table while I'm with her and stuff, but sure. nothing insane. Um, get her dressed and ready to go to this like group nanny situation we have. We have like a nanny that watches like five kids at a time. Okay. And that happens at, uh, we take her at 10. Come home and clear out the inbox, train at my house, 10.30 to 11.30 every day, and then take a shower, go eat lunch, and then it's like the second round of hard work. Sure. All my like stuff like anything like this or phone calls, everything I try to schedule in the afternoon because the morning is kind of chaos with email and like getting the kid out and making sure I have time to work out and all that stuff. Uh, And then the afternoon is more like, okay, I'm going to, dive into the things that take more than five seconds to fire back an email, mm-hmm. do my calls, like really... Right, do the more bigger picture bigger stuff. Bigger picture stuff. Right. And that goes until, you know, whenever, essentially. But 5, 5.30, yep. that's when we either I get June, my daughter June or my wife gets June. We meet back here. And then it's like life away time, family time with dinner, some sort of activity, whether it's like going to the spectrum or just doing something fun. You sure. Know? And then come home and either swim or get her down mm-hmm. until bedtime. Right. And then once we put her down, open the laptop back up, do that like kind of nine to ten thing. Sure. And then you know hopefully it dies out and I can go to bed. Right, right, but right. That's right. pretty pretty regular. Yeah. That's well. I mean, it's yeah. You but it's I, fine. You know, it's it's definitely like like I hate being like. Well, it's eight thirty to nine thirty. It's daughter time. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. not like it's. I've already put in a good chunk of work, and then it's daughter time. And then I come back to work, and then it's workout time, and then I come back to work, and then I right. go eat and go to the other office, and then it's back to work, you know. Yeah. Uh, and then it's, but that, it's funny because my wife works a ton too. She owns her own business. So we both have to just focus and be like, this is June time. She's been with a nanny. She needs our full, full on attention, and we give it to her, and it's amazing. Right. And then she, you know, she's almost three. She's kind of getting to the point where it's like, all right, guys, like, do my own thing now. Like, put me in my room. I got toys and iPads and all sorts of stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's like the full the breakdown of pretty much Monday through Friday. Right. That's I mean, because I, I think it's you have you have to plan for that stuff because otherwise it's like if it's scattershot and you're just kind of like figuring it out as it goes. It's like yeah, that, yeah. that's I watch when you're, the families that do it like that, and it's like <sighs> dude, it's so inefficient, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I hate saying like your family's inefficient, but at the same time, it's like dude, we're we're all doing so much right to have a life that we want. There just has to be schedules, you know. And and we've like made a, a point to like make sure we. You know, we go out on our airstream every other every other week, even for thirty six to fifty hours. You know, just a mm-hmm. little trip, just to turn off. Or the weekend, it's like it's just family time. Yep. Because even weeknights, a ton of the time, or like this month, for example, like every single 
Friday, Saturday, and Sunday I have shows. Right. Every single one. All my bands are all touring this fall. Yep. And so it's like now my weekends that are my family time is shot. So right. making sure I'm on point for the scheduled stuff yeah. is crucial. Totally. You know? And totally. that way when I, when I do have to leave on a, a Wednesday to go to a show, it's like, ah, as long as I did my dinner and my like trip to wherever we're going and get June ready for bed, right. I don't feel like an asshole. And my wife's like, I'm shot. Get out of here. You right. know what I mean? <laughs> you're pre- yeah, it's like you're, you're, you're present. You're not just like, totally. yeah, yeah. And that's, but- cru- that's huge for me. And it was a weird balance because... You know, I don't know how to be it. much like anything else. I'm faking it until I make it as a dad. Of course. And uh, I think we figured it out. Like, you yeah, know, yeah, considering yeah. how busy we are, I think we're in a good spot to where, like, my kid's not going to look around and be like, oh, I don't even know my dad. Yeah, or, I don't, you know? my parents aren't even existing in my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but at the same time, it's like, yeah, I'm kind of on my own. I got to, like, figure out my own shit. I'm not just, like, my yeah. parents aren't just staring at me 12 hours a day or anything. <laughs> totally, totally. You know? No, I think that's, uh, yeah, those are all, like, just, yeah. It, it, this, it's shit you don't think about until, like, you're in the middle of it, and you're just like, oh, yeah, like, I don't want to be. I, basically, you always look at it, you're like, oh, I don't want to be this person, or I don't want to, like. That's, what, that's literally what it was. Like, I just, right. like, what did my dad do? Because I'm just going to do the opposite. Like, <laughs> totally. As easy as and that is. A, and it's amazing that you have those, like, uh, those blueprints to look at. Like, whether it's, like, you know, y- your own direct experience with, you know, a family member, or it's, like, someone else you've seen, or it's just, like, oh, yeah, they turned out like this because of this. So I'm going to, like, I don't want that. So yeah. I'm going to do that. Oh, yeah, or even, like, the, the families that, the rare family that parents weren't divorced, it was a lot of the times, like, yeah, like, that's my mom. We hang, and dad's, like, never around. It's like, yeah. I just don't want any of that. I just want to, like, have a cool family, like, right. a good family life, you know? like Totally. It's, it was, it's, I think it's just a super important thing to, like, make time for. And I, I'm, in an, I'm in, in, in an interesting spot to where, like, I understand most people, like, leave at eight, get home at six and that's life. And and you're shot at six. I luckily work half the day from home and half at the office. So I can be there for the morning, leave whenever I want. As long as I get all my shit done, I'm going to be able to have a free schedule. And so, you know, I don't just look down at anyone that worked a 10 hour day and is like, dude, I don't want to go to Chuck E. Cheese at all. I'm shot. But since I like what I do, while it's a lot of work, I'm never just it like, doesn't feel just like work. get me home. Just get me home. I got to, I'm so stressed. It's totally. Like, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. Even my stressful days, it's like, well, at least I was stressed out talking to all my friends. At least I was like in a right. shitty spot working with dudes I love. You know? Right. Working with something I'm passionate about. Exactly. Like working to better my company instead of working for someone else that who cares? Who cares if I do well? It doesn't affect me. I don't get more or less if I do mm-hmm. a shittier job. You know, right? So. I'm I I'm at this level. It will be unaffected by my sort of work or lack thereof. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this was spectacular, Biggie. I appreciate you hanging we, out. You'll classify it as spectacular. I I enjoyed the conversation. I was very much looking forward to this. So you 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 delivered, my friend. Hell yeah. <laughs> So that was that conversation. I, I hope you enjoyed it. I was really excited to do this because, uh, I mean, for one, he was uh, very, very generous and just like emailed me out of the blue and was like, I really like your show. I like what you're doing there. You're doing good work. This is cool. And anytime you hear that from like a friend who, you know, you may not hang out with all the time, you just like see him at shows occasionally. It was very, um, yeah, I don't know. It maybe it gave me the nice warm and fuzzies inside. So, um, yes, the episode this week is actually a new producer, a person who's going to try it out for the next, uh, you know, month or so and see if uh, he, for one, enjoys it <laughs> and <laughs> or two, is able to, uh, to hang out with me and uh, all the content that I produce. So big shout out to Anthony Patera. He plays in a band called Zombie. 
incredible band. You know, I mean, you'll know a lot more next week because I will be uh, maybe talking about them on the year-end episode. For those of you that have been asking for that, it's going to air next week. So yay, you can hear me and my friend Joey and my friend Jeremy talk about our year-end list. But anyways, that's not why I bring that up. Thank you very much, Anthony. He's the producer for the next month, and uh, hopefully he enjoys it and will continue this relationship. If not, no no harm, no foul. We walk away. <laughs> so big shout out to him. Visit the show's website, 100wordspodcast.com. Follow the show on Twitter, 100wordspodcast. And um, yeah, email the show if you want to, 100wordspodcast at gmail.com. And until next week, please be safe, everybody. You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, jabberjawmedia.com. Shh.